0: Welcome to Fangirl Fridays. I'm Natalie. And I'm Marin. Hello. Hi. How you doing? Pretty good. Just pretty good? Actually, I'm kind of, I'm not like hyper, but I'm in a
1: good mood because we just recorded um, People vs. Ryan Murphy before this. Yep. And we got on a weird tangent about scorpions, <laughs> but we know nothing about scorpions. Nothing. No things. And... Yeah. It was essentially in a good mood now.
0: 10 minutes of me asking questions about scorpions that I don't know the answer to, nor do you. No. We should have a podcast called Science for Dummies because we don't know anything. I did not do well in science class.
1: No. But I also don't want to learn. <laughs>
0: So, <laughs> so my podcast idea shut down. Yeah, by Natalie. I, I like quick bullet points. I don't want to. You want a summary, mm-hmm. but maybe that's the podcast. I mean, it's ten minutes. Science Ooh, for okay. dummies in bullet like snippets. Yeah, science snippets. <gasps>
1: Ooh, Ooh, fun. There we go. You
0: know I love alliteration. We also pitched a show. If you want to hear it, go listen to that episode. <laughs> yeah. What are you fangirling over?
1: I am fangirling over. Well, I did finally start what we do in the shadows. Mm. Very funny. Yeah. Also, I don't know the actress's name
0: off the top of my head. The woman that plays Nadja?
1: Yes. But she's a babe? Yeah. Recently stalked her Instagram. Mm-hmm. That was fun for me. I also, you you reminded me, I went to another taping of Busy Tonight. Yeah. And
0: she's also looking amazing. Wow. I want to know what she cut out of her diet, because that's what you said. You were like, I bet she cut something or out. Or she's
1: just really doing that like fit. I don't know. She just is glowing. She
0: looks lovely. She's about to turn 40, because I know she and Eric are born in the, same, in the same year. I believe she's a June birthday. Gemini. <sighs> Maybe you're revealing too much. Stalking. Um, you didn't mention our text conversation about Lauren Hutton and how I'm because obsessed with her. I feel like if you know me, you know I'm always fangirling over Lauren Hutton. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel as if people talk about her enough. No. I told you this morning she has been on a record-breaking 26 Vogue covers. I mean, insane. Like, once a year in the 60s. It was pretty crazy. And then, thank God for the internet, I was able to find, like, the entire Vogue catalog essentially mm, was it on the vogue website no oh. you can do that you can they have it in a full archive but you have to pay i don't have time oh, for that no. and but someone <laughs> but someone else provided and it was just like all these 60s covers of her and then mid 70s because i'm really living in the 70s vibe right now i mean you wouldn't know from looking at me but story i'm story of my life it. but also not by looking at me yeah i know <laughs> if you looked at both of us right now you'd be like no you're not <laughs> not at all at heart we are at heart at heart. Um, I also have some interesting Melissa Joan Hart news. What? Yeah. So I haven't told you this. Eric had coffee with a former student of his because he's smart. He teaches. And this woman was an assistant on the Melissa Joan Hart Sean Aston television show. Okay. And I was like, tell me everything. Because I immediately, because we know how Eric feels about Melissa Joan Hart. <laughs> and so I wanted to know if he'd follow it up. He did. She is a consummate pro. knows all of her lines and i was like yeah because girl been hitting her mark since she was six yeah and sean astin a mess delightful but never knows anything and i was like that tracks i could see that makes a lot of sense to me also hollywood royalty sean astin yeah um but yeah i was pretty pumped about that and then i have started watching barry and killing eve so apparently i'm very into assassins Mm, i haven't watched killing eve yet i'm in season two of barry okay I just started. So don't say too much. I'm three episodes into Barry, two episodes into Killing Eve. I never watched Grey's Anatomy. So Same. I don't have the like television experience of Sandra O. Oh. I get it. I was like, yeah. I've
1: never really watched her on Grey's Anatomy, but I've always understood because her performance in Princess Diaries <laughs> as the principal is outstanding. <laughs> The Queen is Coming to okay. Grove
0: High School. I, it's so good. I thought you were going to talk about Under the Tuscan Sun. No. Um <laughs> no, you went Princess Diaries. I I should know you. Um so yeah, I feel like I've really been upping my content game lately. Oh my god, I almost forgot. I watched Abducted in Plain Sight and I am fucked up because of it. Wait, did I fangirl over that when we watched podcast? it? I don't know. It is so you told me this when you watched it that you were like Dicking around on your phone for the first 20 minutes and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, bam, you're in. Yeah. Same exact thing happened to me. I wish I had recorded myself watching it because I was so uncomfortable, so mortified, so confused. It's not even that great of like a documentary or one of those. No, 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 not at all. True crime stories, but it is the most insane thing I think I have ever watched on television. It's an hour and a half on Netflix also maybe why i'm into the 70s vibe a little bit right now but oh shit yeah i almost wish this had been done in a
1: podcast instead because totally to totally hear totally, that totally. while you're driving oh you're so smart everything mm-hmm. is so
0: shocking 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 can you and imagine like, hilarious but but insane and terrible like it, they don't yeah. do a good enough job of making you understand how terrible it is no and because you're like, oh, this is awful. Because you are like,
1: kind of laughing at the family.
0: Yeah, because you're like, how but you are should so be stupid? feeling
1: sorry for the family.
0: Yeah, and they weird. So girl gets abducted twice. Watch it. I can't the even describe it. Parents do weird things. Parents do very Whoa. weird things. Everyone seems okay in the end. Un. I don't understand how. But just everyone listening, watch it. I essentially was live texting you while I was watching it, and you were not available. So you just kind of like came back to like 50 text messages of me being like, this is fucking insane. Because it is. You know what else is insane? We didn't talk about babes in Toyland. No, we didn't. There's a whole
1: chapter in Drew Barrymore's book about like living it up in Germany with Keanu Reeves. Probably very hot Keanu Reeves. Ugh, so hot. And 1986 Keanu like, Reeves. Ooh. The cast just throwing out people's laundry, and now she thinks like she has bad karma because of it because she loses clothes.
0: <laughs> Love that. I did finally get to the dog chapter in the book. Oh, we're going to talk about the dogs a little bit. Ooh, there's been some chapters. The Adam Sandler chapter. Oh, man. I will say this series, highly received. <laughs> People are pumped about Drew, Mer- Drew Barrymore in a way I did not— anticipate I've never met a person who says I don't like Drew Barrymore Hmm, interesting but like a guy friend of mine was just like oh my you know my girlfriend used to party with her in Vegas like and then she talks about how much she loves gambling and I was like well this makes sense we got a bunch of messages about it people are just like pumped about Drew and then I just have been down rabbit hole upon rabbit hole of I was last night
1: Deep in the Getty Images website, just typing, like, Drew Barrymore, 1994, Drew Barrymore,
0: 1995,
1: and just seeing what was coming up. It's a good time.
0: A lot of Drew Barrymore evolution compilations I've been going through. There was a, like, thedruseum.com. Yes, love the Drewzeum. Got into the Drewzeum. Would Mm -hmm. go to a (laughs) Drewzeum if they would open one. Yeah. Uh
1: huh. So we're going to get into the 90s. I would... You know, I was going to say this is the best decade, and then I realized everything that happened in the 2000s. Now I don't know.
0: It's crazy. Ten just, years. She's killing it forever. All right. Let's start with films, because 1992, one of my low-key favorite movies. Favorite movies? I okay, weirdly okay. am obsessed with Poison Ivy. <laughs> Sarah Gilbert? Because, again, it was like a Roseanne that thing. That movie is just about hair. Tom Ke- curly hair. Tom Skerritt's in it, and I loved yeah. Picket Fences. This movie comes out before Picket Fences, and also Cheryl Ladd. Does this podcast just always keep coming back to Cheryl Ladd? Maybe. The number of times we've talked about her is out of control, mm-hmm. and she's the sick mom, Georgie. Okay, guys, if you have not seen Poison Ivy, find it. Uh, it was described to and pitched as a teenage fatal attraction. Makes so much sense. Risqué. Risqué. Female director controversial at the time, Kat Shea, who is now doing the new Nancy Drew movie.
1: Wait, there's a new Nancy Drew movie? Yeah, apparently it's coming out this year. I don't know. I could get into that.
0: I loved Nancy Drew. Um, So, yeah, Sarah Gilbert, Tom Skerritt, Cheryl Ladd, Leonardo DiCaprio. An uncredited Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, which I kind of forgot. And then doing the research, I was like, oh, yes, huge box office flop. (laughs) Did not do well at the box office. But it kind of was like this original word of mouth buzz type of thing got picked up on cable and VHS and has become a big hit yeah, because it, of those things. it
1: got word of mouth and became a
0: hit on cable and VHS because it was like horny boys watching Poison Ivy. Yeah. Do you, do you really question the power of horny boys at this point? Like half of the world is built on like the backs of horny boys. Like anything successful, like we could just start counting numerous big franchises, horny boys. Great. My favorite franchise, Horny Boys. (laughs) Speaking of franchises, though, Poison Ivy spawns three sequels, the first of which stars Alyssa Milano. This will come up later as well. There's three sequels, but Drew's Drew's character, Ivy, she dies. Yep. At the end of this movie. But are
1: they all Ivys in the sequels? They're, like, different. It's Wait, who's in the other
0: one? Jamie Priestley. Yes. Yeah. Yep. There's a fourth one, apparently. that I. I it was a straight-to-video. They were all probably straight-to-video. Straight to video. Yeah. Um, but I weirdly love this movie. In case you don't know anything about it, she plays Ivy, who's a trashy girl. She befriends Sylvie, played by Sarah Gilbert, and then infiltrates Sylvie's family, ultimately. Spoiler. Killing Sylvie's mom and seducing her father great classic tale classic tale it's 1992 so drew is 17 it's so funny when i go back and think about it and i'm just she's, like she was always 25 or older like i thought she was 35 in this movie or you know and you're just like she was 17 like it makes sense she's supposed to be a teen in the movie but it lo- she looks so old she's always kind of looked mm-hmm. older and it's trashy as hell but great and drew's awesome in it yeah uh the same year
1: she did a movie I have not seen. Okay. It's called Gun Crazy. Mm-hmm. And I want to touch on this because we recently talked about the director of this movie, Tamara Davis. Oh, she mm-hmm. did see before in Billy Madison. Yes. Mm-hmm. So she, like, Drew really wanted to be in this movie, and Tamara Davis was kind of hesitant about it, you know, because of all her reputation and right. everything. Mm-hmm. But then they met, they fell in love with each other. She did this movie, and it got her a Golden Globe nom. Oh, interesting. So I guess we need to watch this movie. Do we just have, like, a Drew day? Yeah. Also in 1992. So she's w- working. She <laughs> is working. She's busy. She's 17, 18 years old. Uh, Waxwork 2, Sketch Artist, 2000 Malibu Road, and No Place to Hide. Wow. Four more movies. All
0: theatrical releases or some TV? Mm, I believe theatrical. Oh, I don't know. Interesting. Well, in 1993, she makes a TV movie, The Amy Fisher Story. Do you know the Amy Fisher story? Yes. Okay. I was 10, 11 at this time and was like, I mean, the country was totally infatuated with the story. So then I was weirdly infatuated with the story. So it comes out in 1993 and it's about the events of Amy Fisher and Joey Botafuco. If you don't know, Amy Fisher shot Joey Botafuco's wife in the face, Mary Jo. She survived. And like, you know, she was just this kind of like, they called her like the Long Island Lolita. Now, anyways. This movie starring Drew Barrymore was on ABC the same night another Amy Fisher movie starring (gasps) Alyssa Milano was on CBS. Hang on. Our mini episode, we should
1: watch these rival Amy Fisher stories. Absolutely. Yes. Great.
0: Great. And so the ABC one did better. It was more well received than the Alyssa Milano one. But I love that, like, Drew and Alyssa sort of, like, competing and both child stars kind of trying to get out of their yeah. shadow.
1: Also really sucks for them because I'm
0: sure they have nothing against each other. Yeah, and then both these networks
1: lovely. are putting them,
0: like, yeah. you guys are going to fight. But I remember it being a thing. I remember being like, wait, how are there two stories? <laughs> this is the same thing. How, how did this happen? I don't feel like that would happen yeah. today. But it no. did. Um, but, yes, loved it. Like, love the Amy Fisher story. This is again kind of something that brings her back. And now she's kind of, is she getting pigeonholed at this kind of like trashy teen? Like, between Poison Ivy and this, mm-hmm. like, are those the roles that she's now getting? Also in 93, Doppelganger. She's in Wayne's World too. Yeah, Björgen Kiergan at the desk, <laughs> oh, yeah. the radio station. Uh-huh. And then into 94, Bad Girls Inside the Coal Mine. Also,
1: thinking about Wayne's World 2, I definitely thought she was mid to late twenties in that movie. I mean, when we get to
0: our next movies, completely. Like she's a she's still a teenager. Entering the mid nineties, we get Batman Forever.
1: So I realized, I was like, I missed out on like a gap of Drew Barrymore movies. Batman Forever, not a Batman I've seen. I know Tim Burton Batmans. I know this the, is Tim the Burton one Bat- with Alicia Silverstone. So this is a
0: Tim Burton Batman. early no, Tim Burton Batman. He gets like removed. He's only a producer. They like wouldn't let him direct. So Joel Schumacher directs I don't know if that's why it's bad. And it wasn't even
1: bad. It just didn't do as well as the first one. I watched some clips last night, and it just felt like they were doing too much. It's a lot. And it's there's, like, too many Jim people. Carrey's doing yeah. a lot.
0: I mean, Jim Carrey alone. But yeah, but Riller, she plays a, a character
1: named Sugar and, to Debbie Mazar's Spice. Wow. Would watch Dream that. Dream duo. Would watch that web I series. I want that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would watch that web series. Just the two of them. Watch those cam girls. <laughs> <laughs> this is a horny boys episode. <laughs>
0: totally. Uh, but, yeah, so it made $150 million less. And so Warner Brothers considered it a flap, but it wasn't. It did I mean and if you think about her playing TV movie Amy Fisher two to years Batman before, to a Batman, that's a huge elevation in her career. She's back on top. She's like yeah. in these huge blockbuster movies. And y- then Scream. Yep.
1: Yeah. Before Scream, another movie I haven't seen. Oh, yeah. How have I not seen? Yes. Boys on the Side. Mm-hmm. Also starring Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Two of my favorite people in a movie together. Did not know it existed.
0: Period. Really? You didn't know it existed? No. Did you just see the key art and we're like, how did I this? I saw the I key art this? and I
1: watched the trailer. They played the Cranberry's Dreams as one does in a 90s trailer. Yeah.
0: 1995. Wow.
1: <laughs> I, I'm, I can't do this podcast. Like,
0: I don't know enough. Oh, you so like haven't a, seen this like movie. Like I Yeah. you haven't seen Boys on the Side. I'm, I'm sorry, Maren. This is it. This is over. Um, also that you're mad love. Yeah. Okay. I feel like you have okay, to talk scream. about Scream.
1: Oh, I love Scream. So Drew Barrymore was actually, she loved the script and signed on to be Sydney Prescott, the main character, Nev Campbell's character. Yes. And this is actually what got Wes Craven to agree to direct this film. Was her? Drew Barrymore's attachment. Okay. Which I did not know. And that's very important information. Mm-hmm. So before filming, like they're still kind of doing casting, still like working on a pre-production. Drew decides it actually might be more fun and interesting to play a victim or a character that, like, gets killed off. Right. Agree. So, turns out she made the best decision of all time. Because she's still promoting this movie. She's in the posters. Yeah. She's in, like, all the promo material. And she dies within the first ten minutes. And everyone. And no one really talks about her in the movie. No. It's like just a one off thing. And it's such an iconic scene where she's on the phone with this blonde bob wig and a cream sweater.
0: Do you have a boyfriend? No. You never told me your name.
1: Why do you want to know my name?
0: Because I want to know who I'm looking at. What did you say?
1: I want to know who I'm talking to. That's not what you said. What do you think I said?
0: Ugh. Scream. Yeah, I mean, she, like, carried that box. I mean, she was the biggest name by far in that movie. And then it was just like, oh, and you're dead. It was so genius. It's so smart. It's essentially marketing Yeah, they actually,
1: they've used it in all the Screams, maybe. I'm not sure about three. But two, they did Jada Pinkett Smith. She dies at the beginning of Scream Mm -hmm. 2. And then Scream 4 is actually, like, like a show within a show within a show at the beginning. Uh Uh-huh. Because it's, like, people end up dying and then it goes into another thing and another thing. But the last two are Kristen Bell and, uh, blanking, True Blood Girl. Give me. Give me the name. Oh, I don't know. Yes, you do. Natalie Dabrov? No. Blonde. Gap Tooth. Oh, uh, uh, shoot. Why are we... I don't know. happening. I don't know. We lost it. I know it. her name any other day of my life. Okay. Anna Paquin. Yes. Anna Paquin. Yes. I got it. You went to go Google and I got it. Oh, uh, yeah. It's Kristen Bell and Anna Paquin. Okay. like do the opening. It's like a
0: surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she started it all. She really did. It's genius. Again, this is 1996. She's 21. Like, I could have sworn she's like 30. Granted, again, she's playing like a high school student. She shouldn't be 30. But she just seemed at that point to have such a presence already and such a catalog of movies that you're like, how is she not been... Yeah, was she not older? So Scream comes out in 1996,
1: but in 1995 is when Flower Films was founded. Yeah, her production company. Casual.
0: Let me just start this production company. I'm 20 years old. She found Flower Films with Nancy Javonen. She'd met Nancy Javonen because she was the sister of one of Drew's friends when they were probably like... 1819 and nancy javonan is now married to jimmy fallon because they do fever pitch mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in in a later episode um but they instantly connected and they're basically kind of a yin and yang like where drew is you know ethereal and l- loose and casual and free nancy javonan is like organized to in a t labeled but like she keeps drew in line mm-hmm. she's even though I don't think they're that much different in age, she very much sounds kind of like that older sister that's like, what are you doing? Keep your shit together. Be better. Like, all the time. And they're, they took a couple years to actually produce a movie, but they co-pro a movie called The Wedding Singer. Ah! Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Just a casual. Well, they're not... Like officially the producer, but they, they what joined I didn't with Bellingham. And what
1: I love even more about The Wedding Singer is kind of how they met and grew this relationship. Mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore was, I don't know, she just like was determined to meet Adam Sandler she just knew. and knew that there was something there. Yeah. And she really wanted to be like a modern like Hepburn, Tracy, Mm -hmm. old Hollywood couple. Love that. So they met at like a coffee place, and he's like total bro. Cargo shorts. Cargo shorts, big shirt. She's wearing like a leopard coat, dark lipstick, like her little blonde spiky hair. Mm -hmm. And they hit it off. They have a great time. Yeah. And she's basically like, I want to work with you. Can we keep like our eye out for any kind of scripts that we could work together on? Mm -hmm. And eventually the wedding singer came up. And I think we've talked about this before, but let me remind you that Carrie Fisher rewrote the girl parts of this movie, and that's another reason why it's so great. Right. But it's also the first Adam Sandler movie to have a female lead. Oh, interesting. And isn't it
0: her first rom-com leading role? Yes, which role? is
1: also crazy. Shocking. Because she's kind of a rom-com queen.
0: Yeah. Like, how, is, how did it take that long? But Julia Gulia.
1: It's nice to meet you Mrs. Julia (laughs) Guglia. Julia Guglia. And fun fact about this movie, she wears a butterfly denim jacket that she takes off because it's like the spring and there's like that whole moment about it. Mm -hmm. Actually her jacket. So I love it even more. Yeah, that makes sense. The Wedding Singer. It's a perfect movie. They go back to the 80s which Drew Barrymore really lived through. <laughs>
0: she, <laughs> she got to have fun this time around. She did have fun. She had a little bit of structure. She talks about how her people and his people, like the Billy Madison people and the flower people, just hit it off right away. And it was essentially kind of like summer camp for all of them the whole time. And it, she was right. She was validated that they did have this amazing chemistry and that it just felt so easy and charming. And In a lot of the stories that she tells, you can tell she was she's always searching for family Mm -hmm. because she did not have a family or a normal family. And so she creates that in all of her circumstances. And I think she really thinks of Adam Sandler as a brother. Yeah. Yeah. During the, that chapter of her book, I got weirdly emotional because she talks I was mad about, about it. She she talks about how she met a boy named Adam and now she knows a man named Adam and how they both have two daughters and like how he's become, you know, he's as great as you want him to be, but he's just They've grown together in their careers, and I was just like, I can't, uh, I can't Let's not this. forget
1: when they were doing press for Blended, he came out—I think it was Blended Press. He came out and sang Gold with you on Jimmy Fallon. Oh, God. And I cried just thinking about it. She <laughs> sobbed.
0: <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's too much for me. Um, so we go from The Wedding Singer into Ever After. I love Ever After.
1: I love Ever After, too, although it's not, like, historically accurate. Like, no. they do—they throw out, like— da Vinci and a lot of names that yes. don't correlate with the time period right. yeah so she
0: I guess this is her favorite film that she's done that tracks yeah like the, the... the fairy look the fairy look and it's just it's the the flip of the script right it's just like she wasn't saved she did the saving like the story was told wrong Angelica Houston's there oh man just smelling like Chanel number no. 5 you know that she does even in like the 14th century she's <laughs> smelling like Chanel number no. 5 um, and then this was the same director as the Amy Fisher story what yeah, you got keep, keep your friends tight <laughs> she really does though she she keeps she works with the same people over and over again which i appreciate if you if you find goodness, yeah, keep that goodness close. Same
1: year, Home Fries. I have to be honest here. I'm not a big fan of Home Fries.
0: I literally wrote the only thing people remember is the curls. Yeah, is her hair. That's.
1: I think as a kid, that's
0: why I didn't like the movie. Because she looked like Little Orphan Annie. It was just a bad look. No, it's it's not a good look yeah. for her, and it's like orange. She's not like even. Fell in love with Luke Wilson. We can talk about it. This movie's written by Vince Gilligan. What? Yeah. So Vince Gilligan of X-Files, X-Files Breaking, Breaking Bad, Bad, Better Call Saul, Fame. This was like a college project. He wrote this oh, for an NY, right? He wrote this for an NYU class and then it got made. It a movie. Yeah, so, byline Pregnant Sally unknowingly falls for the stepson of the deceased father of her baby and has to deal with his homicidal family. I did
1: read what? er uh, Reed I watched an interview with her and she said she really loved this character because she was just an optimistic person. Mm. That's the most true thing I've ever heard.
0: Yeah. That's the most <laughs> true thing I've ever heard. Um I have a couple of quotes from Roger Ebert in the next of these movies. And there we go. No, and and he does he actually doesn't shit on this movie. Of course he doesn't. Well, but what he says He's like the movie's fine. I wouldn't need to like see it again. Like more character, less plot. He said, but the Eric, the character. Oh my god, the actors are tickled by their characters and have fun with them, and so I did too. Yeah, he couldn't have fun with Charlie's Angels. But I think you could say that about almost all of her movies. Yes, like you can feel the fun that they're having on screen, and so then that's why it kind of like imbues the experience, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, did I just love that? Yeah, but she makes you feel good. She makes you feel good. All right. I didn't even know what to write. I didn't
1: write. Any, I didn't make any notes for this. I have no fun
0: facts. <laughs> Never Been Kissed is the best movie of all time. The end. The end. That's it. We just move on to all of the, the other reindeer. Yeah. So 1999, Never Been Kissed. This is actually the first film produced by Flower Films. So it's a passion project. It's launching her business officially. It's the flagstone. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> it's written by Mark Silverstein, as we know, married to Busy Phillips and his longtime writing partner, Abby Cohn. In case, for some reason, like my husband, you haven't seen this movie. How are you guys married? I, wow. It's very questionable. This is the this is the dumb byline from IMDb. A newspaper reporter enrolls in high school as part of a research for a story. And I was that's like. That's fair. That's fair. But we're also, missing Also, I, I didn't much.
1: explain Wedding Singer. So if you don't know it,
0: That's on it. you. Yeah, that's your fault. Um. I just have a line in here that just says Josie Grossi. Now, I dressed as Josie Grossi for Halloween one year. It's a great costume. Yes. Um, But there's so much sadness in that character, but also, like, hope. And I just wrote, like, a little what this means to me. It's kind of dumb. Here we go. I was 17 when this movie came out. So I'm in high school. And it's, like, sweet, painful, harsh, beautiful, funny. It just does, like, a it does an amazing job of capturing... The feeling of high school and the memory of high school, but the pain of high school. And it's just like everyone has their own feeling of that time of their lives. Mm-hmm. And she's older at this point. She's 25 when she's like a working woman, but so much of that feeling is dictating her life. And I just like, you can, re- it's so relatable. That's the bottom line. Like, I think no matter who you are and where you're coming from, this movie. Has relatable components and it's just like
1: absolutely on top of a goddamn dream. (laughs) This comes out at the late 90s, so it's like the height of weird 90s lip gloss and glitters, Jessica Alba's halter tops. Yeah, yeah, it's very visual.
0: It's a very visual movie, right? Michael Vartan looking.
1: Michael Vartan, Mr. Coulson might need therapy because although he turns out to fall in love with someone of age he might be an underage girls so that's like a situation i don't know we don't know
0: doesn't c- matter i still love the movie you can tell that he feels weird about it like it's like a whole thing yeah. maybe he doesn't come at the end there, i was reading the description on some website and i sent it to you and the, like describes the final scene i started crying at my desk just reading about she waits and the clock counts oh, down and he's even not gonna when come and like, he comes and oh my god when she describes
1: like what will happen when she gets kissed why by the perfect guy when she's working. That
0: moment when you kiss someone and everything around you becomes hazy. And the only thing in focus is you and this person. And you realize that that person is the only person that you're supposed to kiss for the rest of your life. And for one moment, you get this amazing gift (laughs) and you want to laugh and you want to cry. Because you feel so lucky that you found it and so scared that it'll go away all at the same time.
1: And then Octavia Spencer says, damn girl, you are a writer. I'm like, (laughs) crying every time. I mean, this movie was everything to me. My first trip to Chicago, my highlight of the trip was walking on the bridge by the Chicago Chicago Mm Sun-Times.
0: Yeah. This is it. And when Aldi says, like, I want to be a painter, a flautist, like, and she just lists all these When people ask
1: me what I want to do with my
0: life, that's what I do. I just list a bunch of stuff in in that same way. (laughs) You want to be a Harlequin romance novel? Um, I just, there's there's not any more that I can say about it. And it's just, like, a gift to the world, a gift to me personally, a very, like, bonding experience for you and me. And Mm -hmm. it's just, like... The first time I saw Michael Vartan out in the wild, and I just almost started crying. It was, and I've, as I've mentioned, he's a full sleeve of tattoos. It's very about confusing. about Guy Perkins? Bye. Also,
1: there's just a weird, James weird, Franco's in this movie. Yes, John C. Riley. A weird element of humor. It, like, the jokes, I think, are all kind of oddball. Yeah. But subtle. Totally.
0: Which I really like. Yeah, David Arquette, Molly Shannon. Like, it's just, the cast is amazing. Gary Marshall? Yeah. <laughs> Gary Marshall's in this movie. Ugh. And I feel like they all did it because of Drew. Because like, I watched what, we're this movie, weird high school movie like once every three months, I swear. Once a quarter. I never get tired of it. I never get tired of it. Great soundtrack, perfect for the era. Damn. Ugh.
1: No, I'm just I'm I'm spent.
0: I'm Go watch it. <laughs> Emotionally spent. Okay, we're almost done with her '90s okay. work.
1: Also, not to be forgotten, in 1999, she did the voice of all of the other reindeer, also executive producer on this. Hmm. This is based on a 1997 children's book by Vivian Walsh and illustrated by J. Otto Seibold. Sure. Are you familiar with this book? I'm not, actually. I was a big fan of this book as a child. Oh, you were? So when I knew this was happening, I was very excited. My dad taped it for me. I have it somewhere in the house. But she met Matt Groening. Simpsons creator, okay. and his assistant, because they had, like, a production company, and a few weeks later, they talked to Flower Films about doing this Christmas TV special. They had it made. This was her first voiceover work since 1985's Star Fairies. Okay. Do you know of Star Fairies? I do not. I don't? and I am interested. So, 10-year-old voiceover. Okay. Yeah. Um, and this was the second credit for Flower Films. It's a very cute Christmas story about a dog... I have not much to say about it, but maybe read the book. It's so cute. Yeah?
0: Is it just like a a cute little kid's book, or is it like have chapters? No, it's a kid's book, illustrated. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Because I can't get into a chapter book, because apparently (laughs) the undercurrent of that conversation. (laughs) Philly Philly will get it. Okay. She'll need it by Christmas. Okay, perfect. The 90s also present some interesting moments from a personal perspective. First and foremost, the David Letterman incident. Hmm. Now, which
1: I rewatched last night.
0: Is it crazy? It's fresh in my mind. It's not. It's crazy
1: in 2019. It, does it feel tame? It feels kind of tame, but it's still like imagine watching this happened. Because she's like 19. The flash is so quick. Right. So she's explaining what she was doing at the time. Yes. Which was like a goofy like she would do a burlesque routine.
0: Yeah her friend ha- like they would do a weird little show together like in the East Village and it was just like ultimately she would end up being almost naked.
1: Yeah. So she's explaining that and then she's just feeling like crazy 19 year old. She gets on the desks ask for someone to play music. She starts dancing and just gives him a little like A little flash and Uh then kisses his cheek. And David Letterman is shocked. Yeah. But no one else could see it. It was, like, only for
0: him. Right. I don't know. I don't think it's as crazy. Salacious. Yeah. I remember the news about it the next day, people being like, holy shit. Like, nothing like this has ever happened on television, but it wasn't cut. From mm-hmm. like from as you know, because they pre-record, like they could have cut it, but they didn't because you can't I mean, it actually. It's good s- television. It's great television, and you can't see anything. It's all you know, sort of like did she? Didn't you know? Oh, she did. She did. And that, and this is sort of part of this, like she's a wild child. Like that's the narrative of Drew Barrymore during this time, like early '90s, mid, even late '90s. Just like she's a little bit crazy. You don't know what she's gonna do. But she's—the perfect way to describe her is, like, she was a 90s hippie. And, like, the, bo- like the convergence of those yes, two things. this tracks. Like, she's just—she's a little out there. Yeah. Well, she also did Playboy that year. hmm so I can just, see with the slicked back she was hair. I fi-
1: kind of finding herself, feeling comfortable in her yeah. own skin and mm-hmm. went for it. She had several tattoos
0: by this point, mm-hmm. too. She has that, like, butterfly on her, like, belly button. Yeah. Um, That's also when Godfather Steven Spielberg sends her for her twentieth birthday a quilt with the note "cover up," and then <laughs> he had his entire he had his staff retouch the photos and he put her in like little fifties dresses, so she has all of the like Playboy photos, but she has clothes that's on, funny. which I love. And I was like, I didn't want to Google because I was like, what am I gonna find And I'm just looking up a lot of naked photos yeah, of Drew Barrymore? Um, this is also I want to let's talk about her dogs. The first. loves of her life in the nineties? She gets two dogs at the Pasadena College, Community College Flea Market. Which I was like, hmm, uh Flossie. But- Flossie and Templeton. Great name. Brother and sister. And Flossie, she just felt this like initial connection to. And the first thing she said to them was, You're gonna get used to the car because we're going everywhere together. And they did. Like it she sounds like she planned trips for them, like they were fully they accommodated. Were they were her babies. Everywhere they went, her whole life, everything revolved around these two dogs. Then she gets a third dog, Vivian. Now Flossie is like queen bee. Yes, Flossie sort of like puts up with Templeton, but then Vivian and Templeton were like besties, which kind of allowed Vivian or Flossie to like oversee the pack. And they were just they were her children. They were everything to her. The story. In her book, where they all sort of pass away. It's rough. It's not great. She gets them cremated. She takes Flossie's ashes on a vision quest. I was like, this all. To India. To India in a 24 hour turnaround. Wow. She was like, I gotta go. Give me those ashes. I'm going to India. She talks about putting them in the Ganges River. And I was just like, the Ganges is kind of gross. But sure, whatever. It's
1: probably full of ashes. Um, (laughs) Probably full of ashes. (laughs) A lot of other loves in her life. She dated a lot in the 90s. A lot. Some good ones, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There are some in, like, the early 90s, but the one that really stood out for me for early 90s was Jamie Walters from 1992 to 93.
0: How Do You Talk to an Angel? How Do You
1: Talk to an Angel, a terrible song. Also, Ray Pruitt on Beverly Hills
0: 90210. Pushes Donna down down those stairs. You may
1: remember him as (laughs) the abusive boyfriend of
0: Donna Mm -hmm. Martin. Yeah. They were engaged. She was, like, 17. When they got engaged. They did not get married. No. She also dated David Arquette, which I'm just now realizing is strange because he plays her brother and never been kissed. But that does mean that they must have been still good friends. It seems like she's friends
1: with everyone she's dated. uh, The majority. Yes. Because um, someone in the late 90s, like, is in Charlie's Angels and, you know. Yeah. I think they're all connected. Yeah, I still feel like she's, like, friends with Justin Long. And then she married in 1994, 95 to Jeremy Thomas. She was 19. Mm -hmm. They were married for like... He was a bar owner. Mm -hmm. They got together after six weeks of dating. Mm -hmm. And she left right after the wedding to film Boys on the Side, that movie I Need to See. Mm -hmm. And the divorce papers were filed 29 days after they got married. So like
0: they weren't married. Like if she was gone on this movie set, they like got married and then was like, just kidding.
1: Yeah, it was like Drew went away and realized this is a mistake. This is silly. Yeah, we need to forget about this
0: i think jeremy thomas is still like a restaurateur in los angeles oh. actually or you know was in the yeah and in then the 2000s. after
1: this she got together with eric erlinson mm-hmm. who is in the band hole yeah and i thought they dated for a long time because there are a ton of photos a of lot. them together mm-hmm. but it's really like 95 to 96 um so they met while she was <laughs> In Seattle, they have, like, wait, that's the second time they met. The first time, supposedly, they met because she threw up on his shoes oh. outside of a club as a result of food poisoning. Tough or night. Or alcohol poisoning. Yeah, one or the that's other. club, I mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, but, you know, she got really friendly with Courtney Love. She's actually the godmother of Frances Bean. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an era of Drew Barrymore that I really love. Yeah. You see them, like, with their blonde hair this together like on red 90s. carpets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like... She, Maybe kind of so dirty. many photos because she went on tour with them for a little bit. Because oh. there's a lot of photos of them together, like, and Courtney Love's also there. Mm-hmm.
0: I read, though, that she and Courtney are, are not friends anymore. So then, therefore, she hasn't really spoken to Francis Bean. Yeah. Um, also, Michael
1: Stipe is the godfather of Francis Bean.
0: Didn't I tell you that Francis Bean makes something like, like $200,000 a month just in mm-hmm. residuals? And I was just like... And, and she feels guilty about it. She was like, I, it's not my money. It's understandable. I get it. But it's just like, oh, okay. Just a casual couple million dollars a year. Fine. No. And then after that, we
1: got some Edward Norton. They met on a Woody Allen movie they did together. 1996 Edward Norton. I get it. Real cute. Yeah. 1997 to 99. So this one was pretty serious. It was with Luke Wilson. Mm-hmm. I watched an interview last night, and she said that she would have children with him. And Whoa. it was awkward. Oh, okay. She did like, not have children with him. She did not. He was in Charlie's Angels, though, in 2000 and 2003.
0: I like four. Luke Wilson.
1: Yeah, sure. Old sure. School. Great. And then supposedly... This is scandalous. She briefly dated Henry Thomas, which I realize he's the brother in E.T. Mm-hmm. It's not as Elliot. bad as it sounds. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> 10 years later. Yeah, and it's not like... You think of it as gross, but they were both children. You're, it's yes. not like he was waiting for her to be of age. Completely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's fine, maybe. Henry Thomas was recently, I think he was in season two of Better Things, and it took me, like, two episodes to be like, oh my god, it's Elliot. It like, took me five episodes
1: of Haunting a pillhouse, House. Yeah. To realize. I'm just like, I know this face. Like, how do I know this dad?
0: How do I know this dad? Because, um, yeah,
1: he's a dad now. But I think what we love the most, besides the films, is the fashion she brought to the nineties. My first
0: line item is just rum raisin lipstick.
1: Uh yeah, that made me remember two Bonnie Bell <laughs> lipsticks I had. Okay. Um as a child, so why would I need it? But I had a Bonnie Bell Lip Licks Okay. In a like raisin color. Mm-hmm. And then I also had a Bonnie Bell lip shades that was in like this slide up. I know. I can silver. hear the noise. Mm-hmm. Yes. I can hear the noise. And also I don't know what shade but a yeah. uh, raisin-esque. Raisin. What was
0: I doing as a child wearing that? You were emulating Drew Barrymore. Probably. So, again, I already talked about her being a 90s hippie. So it's like you go through all the photos. She cleans up really well. But she also looks like she hasn't showered in, like, a week and a half most of the time in the photos. But still looks great. And then she did that thing that everyone did where your eyebrows were, like, very thin. Mm -hmm. But she pulled it off. And then she's so matte. Yeah. Which is so funny, because when you think about Drew Barrymore, she radiates, and so she was essentially, like, hindering her radiance. Well, off and on, she kind of went with a vampy
1: look. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Normally for red carpets. Um, also, one of the few people that I think look cute with a short bang...
0: Oh yeah, like a. She had like this blonde bob with a tiny little bang. Super, she and she would love like a, a daisy in like it. a pin curl. Like she would have that short bob, and then she would be in the curls, not home fry curls. And then like a strategically placed barrette. You had some strategically placed barrettes in your hair yesterday. I did, and I was really digging that. But <laughs> my absolute favorite. This will come as no surprise. Girl can rock a cigarette as an accessory. It's true. And I wondered if she still smokes. I don't think she does. I don't know. I bet she's, like, a person that will smoke a cigarette when she's, like, had a cocktail and is just, like, hanging around with her friends. Because she smoked for a long time. Also, when you go back and look at all these photos, a lot of, like, denim shorts to movie premieres. Like, just a totally different time. movie premieres just weren't what they are today you didn't need a stylist to go to a movie premiere no because you just are going to the movie yeah but it was yeah when you go and look through all the red carpet stuff it was just like oh what but just her own person her own vibe and just but could easily transition from like Vampy to goth to like tomboy, and it just felt very natural and believable. Like she's incredibly yeah. malleable from a fashion perspective and like a beauty perspective. Still is. Ugh. The number of of times I've screenshot hair as inspo, like just going through her things. I have like mm-hmm. forty seven photos of Drew Barrymore through the ages on my phone right now. Like yeah, I have a folder person. on my desktop. <laughs> like a crazy person, and then you one up to me. Yeah. Um, so fine. So fine. Oh man, you know,
1: next week I thought it's gonna be pretty easy, and then I realized everything that happened in the two thousands. I don't know how we're gonna get through it all. So great, I'm so glad we're
0: doing this though, because she really deserves it.
1: Yeah, just touching on her life and then
0: expressing how much we love her. She deserves it. That's the literal definition of being a fan girl. True, it's perfect. So keep your comments and your emails and your texts coming about Drew Barrymore because I love all of the input uh, so send us an email at hellofangirls at gmail.com or find us on social so until next week bye, bye.